Welcome to Draft Utopia. It is midnight Eastern, um, and we're breaking down um, the picks for the playoffs. There's seven teams per conference, 14 teams, 12 teams are playing this weekend. The State Farm quarterbacks have the bye week, Rodgers and Mahomes, Green Bay and Kansas City. The State Farm quarterbacks have the bye week. (laughs) <laughs> um, but anyway, I do want to uh, say a couple of things before we get started. By the way, I'm Orange Jim from the NFL Draft Insiders. How you guys doing out there tonight? Uh, let's talk about what happened in the sports news, actually. Uh, uh, Chris didn't mention uh, we had a one of the biggest uh, deaths. Uh, Tommy Lasorda, legendary Dodgers manager, died today. I think he was 93 years old. And he was 70 years with the Los Angeles Dodgers organization. He he played with the, the as a pitcher for the team. He was a third base coach uh, before he became a man, legendary manager. Tommy Lasorda um, won this World Series in 1981 and 1988 after becoming manager in 1976. So where he held the job as a manager for the Los Angeles Dodgers for 20 years. That's right, folks. One of the oldest uh, tenures uh, for uh, Major League Baseball. And uh, he leaves, you know, he stayed with the organization as a Hall of Fame manager. Um, and just Thursday evening, he died. He was pronounced dead yesterday at his home. Um, may he rest in peace. And uh, he Coming from L.A. myself, he means a lot to the city, and he was always there at the games, and uh, it's just sad to, to, to see him go and all over Facebook. Uh, a lot of people are saying some great things and great memories about uh, the, the legendary uh, manager. Yeah, it's a huge loss for the sports world. It's a very sad thing to hear about and his impact for the Dodgers organization really speaks for itself. It's hard to manage the same team for 20 years in any sport. So uh, all of us will be mourning him in uh, the sports world. Well, let's kick it off. Uh, let's go right into the thick of things. Um, we'll get to the trades after uh, Major League Baseball and all that stuff, probably after the, the next week when we finish the college football uh, stuff. But let's get right into it and talk about tomorrow's games. So you'll have to tune in next week for the Francisco Lindor, um, Corey. Well, you want to talk about those two big ones? <laughs> Unless you want to talk about those two big ones now, because I felt like Cleveland could have got a better return if they had made the trade with Toronto or the Dodgers. But I understand why the Mets did this. The Mets needed to make a big power move, and this is a good move for them. Yeah, I mean, it, Mets need to be relevant again. They haven't been relevant in a couple of years. Um, it, it's just I remember a season they won actually more than ninety games. You know, they made, you know, they just have not been uh, relevant too much anymore. And that's it just we need these things need to happen. Dodgers and the big Dodgers, Yankees, those teams will get into it. Uh, the big teams will come up and, uh, you know, um, you know, like you said about Cleveland, but, you know, things happen. Um, Arnauto, uh, Cleveland are with Lindor. Are you happy about that? I should be happy because we got four of the Mets' top ten prospects. That's the return we got. But I don't think one of the shortstops we got from the Mets – had a four really poor seasons in terms of batting average before picking in 2020. So I feel like if they had four poor seasons in the majors, then that's not a good return for Lindor since Lindor is a premium player, a top five shortstop in the league. And the Mets, you got to give them credit. They got, they already have two yeah. uh, really good pitchers in DeGrom and Syndergaard, but now you add Cookie and as that number three starter, you got to give them credit the Mets might have a say in the NL East next year. And the Braves have a really good rotation. The Nationals are going to have their top four starters back. So that NL East is going to be super competitive next year. In the yeah, and then, 
Right, and then, and then uh, Nolan Arenado also went to the Mets from Colorado. Wow, really? I was not aware of that because he was the Rockies' best batter for many years. Um, that's if I'm getting that correct. Nolan Arenado to the Mets. Francisco's most complicated veteran. Da da. Arenado's entering just his third season, an eight-year, two hundred sixty million extension, but the eighth time the Golden Glove. Da 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 that the Rockies have had recent years, the expectation is he will do so. The, the thing is that Arnado is so appealing to potential cities. Oh, maybe he hasn't been traded yet. He um, hasn't been traded yet, but there are a lot of hot stove rumors about the Mets acquiring him. Yes. And then the other one, possibility, uh, rumor, Brandon Belt to Toronto Blue Jays. They'll get Bauer free agency as a fourth pitcher, and then they could make Cookie the number four guy, and they could have Bauer as the number three behind uh, Cindergaard and um, Well, yeah. see, there's the next couple of weeks. We'll have these big, uh, big uh, trades. We can get into that, and yeah, we'll call it the, our hot stove topic, as they used to do on ESPN. <laughs> but anyway, let's get skip right this and get into the playoffs and the picture of what's coming up. Um, and it, it's going to be fun to uh, watch all these games. Got a wild card, big game coming up. Uh, Indianapolis Colts at the Buffalo Bills. All right. Uh, Let's start with the Colts and the Bills. This is going to be a 1.05 p.m. game tomorrow on CBS. And this is a game I have the Bills winning this game 42 to 23. I know it's a little bit of a lopsided score. <laughs> and the Rivers has a great offensive line, a much better offensive line than the Bills. And this is the thing, though. Jonathan Taylor's going to have to run the football. The Colts are going to have to put up six, seven-minute drives and keep Allen off the field. Buckner and Houston are going to have to get pressure on Josh Allen, have a snowball's chance of pulling things up. But Rocky Sin is out at nickel corner for the Colts. TJ Carey, who's lined up as their team's number one corner with Xavier Rhodes complimenting him. Is is questionable. So the Bills, so the Colts not having two of their top three corners is enough of a reason to pick the Bills. You have Diggs, you have Cole Beasley, John Brown, Gabriel Davis has seven receiving touchdowns as a rookie. Isaiah McKenzie went off last week. Buffalo picked up Kenny Stills from the Texans. And then you've got Dawson Dobbs and Tyler Croft at tight end against a trio of Malik Hooker, Julian Blackwood, and Kari Wills at safety. The bottom line is Buffalo has those weapons along with Singletary and Moss at running back. There's just too many weapons, I think, for the Colts' defense to account for with Rocky Sin out and if T.J. Carey, the former Raiders, out too, then I think the Bills will take care of business because Buffalo is probably the healthiest of any of the teams in the AFC this year. I would argue the Buffalo Bills have the healthiest defense on paper as well and that's why I, I'm thinking 42-23 is the score because the Colts have enough offensive ability to make this exciting, but the Buffalo Bills have the healthiest defense in the a among the AFC teams right now at the moment, despite their injuries on the offensive line and despite some of the things that may not work in their favor. I would argue that those qualities give the Bills the advantage over the Colts. Well, how do you feel about this game? Well, I, let me get back. I'm not, I'm gonna, I have a little bit different perspective. I am taking the Bills because number one, as you kind of rephrased, but I'm going to kind of catch up with you a little bit. Um, the Bills have, I mean, the Colts have the 18th ranked pass defense. Uh, they're going to have a little trouble with Josh Allen. He likes to throw the ball. We know Stephon Diggs, Xavier Rhodes. You know, these guys are going to put some numbers up. Cole, uh, you know, you know, there's a um, I think Cole Beasley is limited. I'm not I'm not sure if he's going to play or not, but they do have weapons. Um, and they have, uh, you know, Isaiah McKenzie uh, and Gabriel Davis. Um, it's just a, the defense is an average at best defense. Uh, against the pass rush. Now, against the run, they're going to be able to stop um, stop the running attack from the Bills. I don't expect it to be a big 
uh, movement there. However, Philip Rivers is a little bit more experienced than Josh Allen, believe it or not. Um, he has he has been in this situation in the playoffs a few times. He knows he has a great back, like you said, Jonathan Taylor, um, who's going to do pretty well against the Bills. I don't hold that back. Um, you know, we saw what the other side of the ball could. Uh, Stephon Diggs just once you throw the ball, he'll catch it. Um, so. It depends on how the defense of the Colts, again, coming back to the Colts, will stop them. I do think it's not going to be such a high-scoring game. I think it's going to be Bills 27, Colts 21. And that's a fair score because that's what I was originally thinking, but then the Colts injuries occurred, and I think those Colts injuries, maybe I'm overthinking things a little with the Colts injuries, but – this was a team that had a top 10 pass defense at one point in the regular season. Now that the top 10 defense, pass defense, has kind of struggled the last two, three, four games down the stretch, and you're not going to have Rockies in your nickel corner, and you might not have TJ Carey. You'll still have Xavier Rhodes, but Xavier Rhodes versus Stephon Diggs. Diggs is going to win that matchup nine times out of 10. And the funny thing is Diggs and Rhodes were teammates in Minnesota last year. So... These two are very familiar with each other because Rhodes was the number one corner on that Vikings team. Diggs was the number one receiver on that Vikings team. So these guys, Diggs and Rhodes, they're familiar with each other. So anything else we need to add to this game before we get to the next game? Uh, you know, I mean, really, we can't really add too much to it. I mean, I think it's just, you guys, this is going to take place in in the Bills Stadium in Orchard Park. Bills, I mean, you know, I don't know if the, what the fans are going to be or not going to be. It's it's just uh, because of this COVID, and we'll get to when we get to the. Well, they're allowing their fans in for the first time all season. They're allowing their fans in. Um, Cuomo, the governor of New York, is they're allowing their fans in for the playoff game. They didn't allow any fans in during the regular season in Buffalo, but for the playoffs, they're like, you know what, what the heck. Well, anyway, then it's going to be a great fun game to watch. And uh, since there will be fans, Colts offense, we'll see how they work in the fourth quarter. Could they catch up and finally pull an upset? But like I said, 27-21 is my prediction, and I'm going with Buffalo. Yep. And let's get the other Saturday game. Or the, We have two more Saturday games, and that's the NFC games. And then yep. the, Rams, other, the Rams and the Seattle. Seattle has the third seed. The Rams have the Sixteen in the same division. I kind of like this uh, matchup um, because they know how to play each other, and I think people. Oh well, Goff. Okay, he's not going to be able to play. John Wolford, he, he's going to be playing. Um, let's see what he could do. You know, he does have Cooper Cup, Robert Woods. These guys know how to play offense. It's going to keep the game close. Yes, Russell Wilson. Pete Carroll and that offense will probably shut down the defense, but I don't know about that. Rams do have one of the top defenses in the NFL. Don't get me wrong; we know we know who Sam Darnold is. Hello, I mean, uh, not Darnold. Um, no, Aaron, Aaron Donald. Excuse me, Sam Darnold is a is a quarterback. Um, yeah. But you know, Seattle has DK Metcalf, Jalen. You know, and, and uh, he'll be throwing against Jalen Ramsey. So that's a great matchup to watch. So I think it's actually going to be a really close game. I think I picked Seattle in my predictions. So I'm going to say Seattle 24 to 21. I have Seattle 24, the Rams 16. But this is the thing. The Rams can pull the upset in this game. They're not a team to be slept on, and Jared Goff had the thumb surgery this Monday instead of last Monday before the Week 17 game, which is why I think he'll be out for tomorrow. If he had had the thumb surgery the Monday before Week 17 sat out last week, I think he'd have a much better shot at playing. But outside of Goff, they're going to have their entire defense at full health for the first time since Week 10, and they're going to have Andrew Whitworth back at left tackle. So... The Rams, if Scoff somehow ends up playing, 
they could end up winning this game because the Rams' defense has stepped up. You've got obvious names like Brockers, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, superstars the casual fan can relate to. But this defense has other guys that can make plays. Tanzel Smart had a sack against the Bears at nose tackle. Leonard Floyd has been very dominant in both meetings against Seattle in the regular season. Um, you have Samson Ekubom complimenting um, – him off the edge, Leonard Floyd. And then you have Kenny Young, who had the pick six against Cam Newton. You have Troy Hill, who has uh, been able to take some pressure off of uh, Jalen Ramsey. So that's why this Rams defense is so strong. Is it strong enough to beat Seattle? I don't know. I mean, the Seattle has a few injuries of their own, but Juwan Brown, Jerron Reed, Jamal Adams, and Shaquille Griffin, they practiced this week despite being game-time decisions, despite having questionable injuries. If Goff plays and all those guys are out for Seattle, then the Rams could win, but I think that's the only scenario. And you've got guys at tight end, receiver, running back. You've got tons of depth on offense. So even if Goff sits out, I still think the Rams can get at least 16 points. And if Goff plays, I see the Rams scoring at least 20 to 21 points even though they probably still lose. Seattle is favored by three and a half. I got the Seahawks winning 24-16. But if Goff plays, that definitely changes the dynamic of this game. Yeah. Well, let me tell you. L.A. been a very good team in the beginning, and then they kind of flaked a little bit. But they stayed on top of their game. I think they they beat Seattle once, and then they lost to Seattle the next time. but if you look at the schedule of the Rams, they could still, uh, you know, they could get blown out, but they can easily turn around and stun everybody and blow them out because they're that good of a defense to to stop Russell Wilson, and they have before. Um, so they're very familiar opponents, and, and that's why I believe it's going to be a very close game. Yeah, indeed. This well, let's go to the next game, the uh, the Saturday night game, um, and that is the the unbelievable, untouchable Washington football team who actually gets the fourth spot, who's hosting, get this, when they don't even have their old name, they just called the Washington football team, hosting a playoff, which they haven't done in quite some time, against Brady and the Buccaneers. And uh, Brady, we know what he could do, no doubt about that. But I don't have, I don't know if they played against Chase Young um, and, and company on, on the defense. So we'll see what uh, things can happen. Brady will probably put a show on for everybody, and that's what we're expecting the veteran quarterback to do. Um, but let, let, let's not take away anything from Washington. They could put up some numbers as well. Um, Alex Smith is playing, correct? Yes. Um, out of the out of the six games this weekend, the only game on Draftytopia that had multiple people picking um, the underdog was this game. Every other game is either four to one or it's a clean sweep where we all all five of our panelists agree on the winner. This game's the only game where it's a 3-2 split decision where two of our panelists took the Washington football team, and you were considering Washington before ultimately going with Tampa Bay. So this is a game that could go either way. If Washington prepares himself, if Alex Smith, Antonio Gibson, and McLaurin, who are all at full health, step up and are able to control the tempo of this game, then Washington is a shot. But I'm still taking Tampa because – Thomas Davis is out for Washington. He's their best linebacker. He was played with Rivera in Carolina, and Tom Brady can throw short passes. These linebacker near these linebackers are away from these linebackers to bait the linebackers, while getting Ronald Jones involved to take pressure off of Brady. And I think that's going to be the game plan. That's going to be the approach Tampa Bay takes. And I think this game is probably going to be a blowout. I've got Tampa Bay winning thirty to fourteen, but it could be closer than that. Well, I think it's going to be closer than that. I'm going to take uh, the Bucks also. Um, Brady will. I hope that Bill Belichick will be watching the game so he can sit and uh, dwell in his Cam Newton extortion. And it's going to be twenty-eight to twenty-three. 
I like that fun score, but I don't think it's going to be 23, but we'll just take 23, 28. Well, and the uh, Bucks will win by five points. I think it's going to get a little, little, uh, little, uh, I think it's going to be fun, fun, fun to watch this game. And I like, I, I actually wouldn't mind seeing Washington win, <laughs> but I doubt it, but why not? All right. The, that'll do it for the January 9th games. The January 10th games, there's a triple header of January 10th games. The 10th is my 30th birthday, but the most exciting game on the 10th is the last one. But we're going to talk about the first one that's going to air on ESPN. It is the Ravens and Titans. Um, Lamar Jackson facing Tennessee, the team that knocked him out last year. And Marlon Humphrey and Jimmy Smith are both expected to return from injuries at corner, while A.J. Brown, the Titans' best receiver, didn't practice for Tennessee at all this week. So if Baltimore can double-team Corey Davis and they can glue in on Derrick Henry, then they can win this game. Yeah, and I am picking them to win this game. But at the same time, you look at the Titans. Ryan Tannehill has had much better success as far as avoiding turnovers than Lamar Jackson this year. 31 touchdowns to five interceptions. Arthur Smith may get a head coaching job thanks to how well the Titans have been without their two offensive tackles from last year's AFC championship team. Luan on IR, Conklin signed with the Browns, but this Tannehill's just continued to play at a high level. He can win the turnover battle against Lamar easily. And Derrick Henry has embarrassed this defense in the past. The playoff game last year, the um, game this year where the Titans won in overtime, Derrick Henry had that run to get Titans to win overtime. And Harold Landry needs to step up if the Titans want to win because Without uh, DJ Fluker, the right tackle, the Ravens lost Ronnie Stanley to an IR injury in Week 7 against the Steelers, so they moved their right guard, DJ Fluker, over to right tackle. Fluker may be out now, so Harold Landry's going to be getting a third-string right tackle or a second-string guard at right tackle. So that's going to be an advantage for Harold Landry, who had nine and a half sacks in 2019. His production, I think, dipped slightly this year, but... Harold Landry's going to have to be the man if Tennessee wants to win this game, especially if uh, A.J. Brown is out because they don't really have a pass rusher next to Landry that's any good. Clowney got put on IR. They cut Vic Beasley. So it's really going to be up to Harold Landry. I've got the Ravens winning 27-24. I think this will probably be the closest of the uh, six games. All right, let me uh, get it. Well, anyway, this is going to be a battle. So if you guys want to hide your – children from watching this one it's going to be a battle titans this is a rematch from last year's divisional round upset um titans uh, in baltimore um now the baltimore ravens are in tennessee derrick henry can run we all know that but there's another guy on the other side of the ball who can also run the rookie jk dobbins gives jackson another partner in crime kind of because they can have a two uh we don't know who's going to be running with the ball. You know, there's going to be a lot of scoring for the Ravens, unlike what we used to see in a playoff game with them. So I expect the Ravens to win here 30 to 24, but in a big battle here. You know, you want to call it the battle of the, I don't know, but it's going to be really good. I, I like this. Um, the defense, um, you have uh, unique. Nikuju, uh, Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters, all going to make a difference uh, in the game. And uh, Ryan Tannehill, we'll see how he does against a real good defense. Indeed. So, next game, because Dobbins is facing a Titans defense. They do have Wesley Woodyard and Rashad Evans, but the Titans are the worst third-down defense in the league, which is another reason why I think the Ravens find a way to prevail in Tennessee because Lamar, as long as he can avoid turnovers, he is due for his first playoff win, and I think he's going to get it this year. Um, the Bears play the same. This is the second of the three games of Sunday. It's going to be on CBS and Nickelodeon. If you want to watch the touchdown montages and slime, you can go over to Nickelodeon. They'll have the game on as well. Uh, yeah. Um, this is going to be a, a, the the most. Uh, I don't think the Bears have a chance to be to be honest. What? 
all week this week. Roquan Smith, the Bears' best linebacker, he's dealing with an elbow injury. He did not practice on Thursday, Wednesday, or Friday. So I think that is enough of a reason to pick New Orleans because Buster Screen, their nickel corner for Chicago, already out for this game. And Michael Thomas has been cleared of um, COVID or whatever, so he's returning. So Michael Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, and Traquan Smith are all at full health. Breeze is going to have the advantage here. Breeze's decision-making, Kamara's ability to run the football. New Orleans is going to find a way to win this game. I have this game being the biggest blowout of the uh, four so far. 30-13, to 13, I took New Orleans. New Orleans is a lock. <laughs> One of our panelists was considering Chicago, but with the Roquan Smith injury, him not practicing all week, now New Orleans is a clear lock to win this week on site. But... Anything you want to add to that? A lot. <laughs> Don't forget on the other side of the ball of Chicago, they do have Khalil Mack. Um, last time they actually played was in November in Chicago. It was an overtime win by the Saints, 26-23. to 23. Don't swell on them too much, but uh, that was uh, when Nick Flows was a quarterback. Mitch Trubinsky is back now playing uh, Trubinsky and has his weapon, Allen Robinson. Um, he has a good secondary with Lattimore and Williams. Uh, but he also has a nice back, David Montgomery. Uh, the defense of uh, the Saints has to stop those guys, which they probably will. Um, as you said, Michael Thomas returning. Alvin Kamara um is expected to be cleared. I think he was also on the COVID list. Um, Tayshawn Hill, you know, you never know what kind of sleeves Sean Payton's going to have in store for him. Um, this is going to be domination by the Saints, 30-17. to 17. Yeah, the Saints lost in the first round last year. They know what's on the line. I expect them to win this game. Yeah. All right, and that brings us to the final wild card. Cleveland and Pittsburgh, this is going to be the Sunday night game. It's going to be at Heinz Field. Um, Cleveland is not going to have Kevin Stefanski. He's tested positive for COVID. They're, the Browns fans are saying they should, coaches should be able to coach remotely, but that's not how it works. Vince Williams returned to practice on Thursday for Pittsburgh. And the Steelers' last few games, they have had issues at inside linebacker with Devin Bush being injured, with um, – the backup to Devin Bush being injured with Vince Williams being injured. They were not able to do anything against uh, Buffalo or Cincinnati as far as stopping the run. But Vince Williams coming back to practice is huge. They're going to have TJ Watt. They're going to have Ben Roethlisberger, Pouncey, DeCastro. These are guys that didn't play. Joe Hayden, these are guys that didn't play against Cleveland in Week 17. They're going to be playing against Cleveland in the playoff game. And remember, back in Week 6, Pittsburgh blew out Cleveland at home. I don't think we'll see a blowout, but I do think Pittsburgh will win this game by double digits. But I don't think it'll be a blowout. I think it'll be competitive in the first half before Pittsburgh pulls away in the second half. I went with 31-14 as my final score. But if there are injuries or if a player like Vince Williams is ruled out, I could see it being 31-24 with Pittsburgh pulling away with a touchdown at the end. I like that score that you have. Um, it's in the Steelers' Heinz Field. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. But I, I just I feel the last few games the Browns have not been where they wanted to be. However, they're still a top team. Don't get me wrong. I mean, the Steelers also haven't been where they wanted to be. They were undefeated. They looked like the top team in the NFL at one point. Um, yeah. uh, I believe um, uh, you got Joe Hayden, I think, is uh, on the COVID list. Um, T.J. Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick are going to be the playmakers uh, for the Steelers on defense. I like the Steelers here. I'm going to go with that same score you have, 31-24. Big Ben gets a nice win here, and uh, they move on to the next round. Um, you know, 
but don't get don't get me wrong. Steelers offense will come out in the first drive and probably score. Um, and it's going to be hard for Baker Mayfield to to get get there. But it's going to be a nice close matchup in this one. Yeah, I wasn't aware of Joe Hayden being out for this game. I had Pittsburgh at thirty-one to fourteen. I'm going to bump that up to thirty-one twenty-four and pick the Steelers by a touchdown. They'll still cover the six-point spread. Um, they'll win, but I was not aware of the Joe Hayden um, being out for this game due to COVID. I was not aware of that. That was news to me. So thank you for reporting that. I appreciate that. I think I think it's I think I'm right. <laughs> you are right. I I know you're right because I just googled Joe Hayden and Joe Hayden having COVID from the Pittsburgh Post because that was the first thing that popped up on Google. So you were right. Thank you. So we'll see how all these turn out. You know, um, we don't have to worry, like uh, he said, of the two competing MVPs, Aaron Rodgers and Pat Mahomes. Um, they got the week off. But they quarterbacks uh, got the week off. I mentioned that at the beginning. But you do see a couple of great quarterbacks. You do. You will see Tom Brady, and you will see Drew Brees, and you will see Josh Allen, and you will see Big Ben, like we just spoke about. So these guys do have their names. I'm not 100% sold on Mayfield yet. Um, that's why I haven't brought him up. But, but there's a good – and, uh, you know, the old veteran, um, Phillip Rivers. So you got a good quarterback to, to look at, and it's going to make a big uh, splash. Oh, I forgot Russell Wilson too as well. So the normal quarterbacks are in the playoffs, and we just got to see who's going to take control of those. Yeah, because there's three quarterbacks from the 2018 NFL Draft. Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson. None of them have won a playoff game in their careers. Allen has been to a playoff game. He lost the Texans last year. And Lamar Jackson's been to two playoff games. And they lost both of those. They lost the Chargers at home. And then they lost to the Titans at home with the home field last year. So the the this is what, why these playoff games are huge because if any of the 2018 quarterbacks, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, or uh, Baker Mayfield win, that pretty much guarantees those quarterbacks will be in position to get extensions in the offseason rather than just a fifth-year tender. It's like if the Browns lose to Pittsburgh, Baker will have done to earn, enough to earn the fifth-year tender, but will he have done enough to keep his job for more than uh, two years after this year? Probably not. That's going to be up in the air. That's going to be something Browns fans are debating about. That's going to be an objection that the Browns will have to answer next year. But right now, Cleveland versus Pittsburgh, that's going to be a lot of fun watching these 2018 quarterbacks who are in their third year who are about to get their paydays play it this weekend. Yeah, I mean, no, no matter what, um, we're going to see what happens uh, here. And uh, it should be a fun to watch. Well, let's move into the beautiful. Uh, let's move into uh, college football because I got a Monday night game coming up. Alabama, Ohio State, number one, number three. Um, Ohio State controlled the Clemson, and we, we know what happened there. Um, they just pretty much beat them forty-nine to twenty-eight. Whereas Alabama controlled Notre Dame thirty-one to fourteen. Uh, Ohio State did lose last year to Clemson in the same championship game. Um, what happens here? Does Alabama get that title back? Crimson Tide stay on top? Uh, or, or could the Ohio State take this game? Well, Ohio State was actually ranked ahead of Alabama in the preseason. I know Alabama's played like such a complete team this year. But I'm taking Ohio State just for the heck of it. I, I feel like Justin Fields is going to do enough to lead Ohio State to a championship. He wants to be QB2 behind Trevor Lawrence, and this is a statement game because Lawrence beat Alabama as a true freshman. Now Fields is the chance to beat Alabama, and I think he's going to pull it off. I think Ohio State's going to win this game. Yeah, I mean, when you say – Justin Fields, Fields is spectacular. He played great against Clemson. He made a name for himself. I think he's going to go definitely now in the top five. I don't uh, in the draft. 
probably I, I don't know if the Jets are sold on him, but he will go in the top five um, of the draft. We already know who's probably going to be. Justin Fields played high school football in Georgia, and the Falcons are picking at four. So if the Jets don't take Justin Fields at two, I'd imagine the Falcons would take him at four. Even if they sit him behind Matt Ryan for a year and groom him into the position like the Dolphins would with Tua, like the Chiefs did with Mahomes, I think he's not getting past Atlanta. I honestly believe that. Yeah. On the other side of the offense, he's controlled by Matt Jones. It's another super talented uh, passer. Um, you got uh, you got Devontae Smith. Hey, the guy who won the Heisman Trophy award just this week. By the way, we got we didn't go into that. Um, so you really Alabama holds probably the better offense here, probably as a whole powerhouse. But Justin Fields, you're saying, is the better quarterback. But I do, uh, you know, you got to give it up for. Uh, for um, just to see how, how everything's going to fit. Um, you got to give it up for the defense for, uh, uh, you know, Patrick Sertan, who uh, uh, in the Alabama defense. Uh, Alabama's got Sertan, Patrick Sertan the second, and Josh Joby. And Sertan the second was a powerhouse recruit coming out of a Trinity Academy in Florida, and he's the son of former Dolphins corner Patrick Sertan. So, the, the oh, Alabama's got him. They got Josh Joby. Those two corners are going to make things difficult for Ohio State. But they they have Ohio State's got some receivers and get Chris Olav, who's eligible for this year's NFL draft. They have Garrett Wilson, who's probably going to be a first rounder in twenty twenty two. So Alabama's corners against Ohio State's receivers is a chess match in itself. Yeah, so we're going to see Ohio State won't go away that easily. Versus Fields, too. Right. And it's going to be a close game. I am going to switch with you, and I'm going to go uh, Alabama 38 to Ohio State 34. <laughs> yeah. Fun it's score. But it will be a close game. It will be much better to watch in the two championship games that uh, we watched last week or the uh, Rose and the Sugar Bowl. Yep. Playoff games or whatever you want to call them. Um, do you want to move into a little, because I know we have about 20 minutes, so do you want to move into the top uh, 10? Want to do a little draft here of the top 10? I, I usually don't do it this early, but we could go ahead. How about we talk about the QBs really quickly? Because three quarterbacks announced their decision to go back to school. Desmond Ritter of Cincinnati, Carson Strong of Nevada and Brock Purdy of Iowa State. Now, these were my three sleepers after the consensus top four quarterbacks, Lawrence, um, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, and Zach Wilson of BYU. All three of these quarterbacks were my three sleepers of this draft. They're all going back to school for their senior years. They want to try to position themselves to be even higher in the draft. So the three sleepers, if you do not get a quarterback in the first round this year, you are pretty much you pretty much have to get a um, free agent and try to um, position yourself for a quarterback in 2022. Like that's pretty much going to be the thought process. I mean, because we don't know which quarterbacks in 2022. That's still a long way away. Oh yeah, that's that's a little thing. Uh, we'll we'll talk about it when we get to it. But anyway, the. The top four or five, uh, Trevor Lawrence, of course, there's no sweepstakes about it. He's going to be a Jacksonville Jaguar. Hey, you know what? He is probably the most polished uh, quarterback coming in since Andrew Luck in 2012. I like this kid a lot. You watch the tape. He just knows how to play. He's going to start right off the bat for the Jaguars who really need – they do have the receivers. It's just a matter of getting somebody who knows how to play right. Like you said um, – I I don't I just for me I have a way I think New York Jets are probably going to say you know what let's stick with what we got with Sam Darnold because this is such a tough call it too and it's a call that's going to shape the entire rest of this mock and I am going to try to get through eight picks one through um eighteen with Oren or before the uh, playoff games tomorrow because you got um those two those are the non playoff teams 
But the Jets at two is such a tough call because I think Justin Fields has just as much upside as Sam Darnold, but I think you could also argue that he's rawer than Darnold was coming out of USC. Well, I, I, I just I just feel that here I'm gonna I'm gonna go here right now. Right now, the way it is. Jets can keep Sam Darnold. Has somewhat of a future because he'll be trade bait otherwise. So we have to say right now, unless they can trade somehow. They're going to go right now and get a Pinnell Swell from Oregon, uh, the tackle. And that's going to be the first tackle in the draft. Yeah, I agree. Sewell is a beast. I remember at the 2020 Senior Bowl speaking with uh, Utah's edge rusher Bradley and Nay. Who's the toughest opponent you've ever faced? He mentioned the Oregon left tackle, Panay Sewell, the guy you just mentioned. So that should be enough of an indicator that Sewell at two could be the guy. And it's either going to be Sewell or Fields, but I heard a few weeks ago that the Jets were looking at three QBs, Lawrence, Kyle Trask, and Fields, and then they were looking at Sewell as well as their uh, plan B if they couldn't get Lawrence. So I think they'll try to get Fields, trade up for Fields if he falls in the draft, and if they can't, they'll probably get either, they'll probably get Kyle Trask. If uh, Mac Jones, well, you got to remember they do have a way to get Trey Lance back in the in the back of the the uh, the draft. I, I don't think Trey Lance is going to fall to twenty six. I don't. I love his tape. I think he's got great upside. He's he's progressions need to improve. Okay, you know, yeah. We'll we'll see. I'm I'm going to go through mine, and you say yes or no. I'm going to just go really quick because uh, we got another. Uh, still have about twenty minutes, but still. Anyway, um, number, th- number three, you got to go with Devontae Smith here. Tua needs a weapon. You know, Miami Dolphins just need somebody to make that future quarterback solid. This is the yeah. best weapon right here, the Heisman Trophy winner, Devontae Smith for out of Alabama. We're going to see him in the game on Monday. There's two weapons you could get here. You could get Jamar Chase, last year's Blitnikoff winner, or you could get Devonta Smith. Uh, Smith probably has better rapport in team chemistry, but I think you could argue that Chase has more upside. I don't really have a problem with either one to Miami at three. So uh, that's all I got to say on that pick. We can take it away and break down number four here. Yeah, well, we both agreed here on Justin Fields if he slips past the Jets. Falcons, perfect place for uh, Justin Fields, Ohio State's uh, quarterback. We're going to see him on Monday as well. I, I just feel Atlanta, it's time. Bye-bye, Matt Ryan. It's time to move on from him. Maybe he can have, you know, uh, developmental thing. But, but you know, it's time to move on. It's, it, it's, it's just a time. He's been there for quite some time. They don't need to trade him, but they just need him to know that, hey, this is time. This is time. You need to uh, move on. You're getting a little bit up there, and you're not a – you're not a – you know, you're not um, Mr. Tom Brady or Drew Brees. You're almost to that level, but not quite. And I think it's time for uh, Falcons to change uh, the quarterback they and to change Fields for behind Ryan. But at the same time, I would take Fields here because I think his upside is just too great to ignore at this point. So I'm in agreement with you. Justin Fields at four is the selection. Um, Cincinnati, what do they do at five with um, Panay Sewell there? Um, well, you know, they got Burrow. Burrow also needs a weapon. Yes, A.J. Green is getting older by the day. He didn't even look good this season, buddy. So, you know, I'm going to go with Jamar Chase out of LSU. Love this kid. You know, if Smith lands here, Smith lands here. But I, I'm i going to take well, Jamar Chase right here. Um and he's going to be the great weapon for half for the next five to 10 years for, with a burrow. Yeah. And they both played together at LSU. And I, I'm in agreement that Jamar chase at five, if you can't get Sue Wells, probably the best value pick you can make here, but the Bengals do need a left tackle. Someone else they could consider is Rashawn Slater out of Northwestern, but Slater, despite having great feet, he doesn't maintain blocks as long as you'd like. His arms are kind of short. And I think the Bengals will probably get a left tackle in free agency. Maybe Trent Williams or Alejandro Villanueva, the Steelers' left tackle, if they don't have the cap space to bring him back. I think if they cannot get Panay Sewell at two, 
the best route for them to take is maybe get a stop gap left tackle through free agency and then draft a weapon at five, Devonta Smith or J- um, Jamar Chase, depending on who the um, Dolphins pass on at three. Yeah, I mean, that, that I mean, but well, I'm going with my draft right now. Number six, I love this kid. I wanted him to go to the Raiders, but he's going to be gone by the time the Raiders get their pick. I'm going to go to Mika Parks, Parsons from Penn State. Penn State didn't do good, but he is the best player coming out of that school. Pass rushing is a key, key note for the Eagles. I don't know what happened to the Eagles this year, but they do need some defense. Parsons will be a very good weapon for those def- that defensive coordinator from Philadelphia to help with the pass rush. And, and you're gonna, you they're gonna love this kid. Yeah, Micah Parsons is a beast. He's a five-star recruit in high school, but he's more than that. Great pass rusher, consistent tackler, can line up everywhere. Definitely a game changer and a great pick for the Eagles. The third wide receiver I'm going to have go to the Lions. I always exit on the Lions because the Lions surprised me. Lions just have no idea. The last time they really got lucky with a wide receiver, and we know who that is, Calvin Johnson. So I'm going to tell them to take Jalen Weddle, and he's the opposite uh, of DeFonte Smithy. And we're going to see him play on Monday night, too. A little smaller, shifter wide receiver, but maybe that's exactly what they need if Matthew Stanford stays the quarterback. They need something there to change this environment, to give them a weapon, a real weapon. And Jalen yeah. Waddle is exactly what they need. That's a great pick because the Lions have Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, and Danny Amendola all as unrestricted free agents this offseason. They're not going to be able to re-sign all of those guys. They spent a huge amount of cap space bringing back Taylor Decker at left tackle, so they're going to they're gonna need a receiver. And Rashad Bateman of Minnesota is another guy they could consider if um, Waddle is not healthy by the time the combine rolls around. But right now, I think you can make a case for Waddle or Bateman at seven if you want to stick with Stafford for another year. Number eight, uh, I usually don't pick a tight end this early. But the way I saw this guy and I looked at his tape, I have uh, going to Kyle Pitts from going from Florida. He he might be the next uh, big good tight end to um, – I'm drawing a blank here. But, uh, you know, the guys at Kansas City and uh, the play for – and the guy that uh, plays for Las Vegas, Waller, and um, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Pitts reminds me a lot of Waller. Yeah, so to give Teddy Bridgewater, and this is what he was really, I think Matt Rule wants to get his players in believing that Bridgewater could be a better player. But in order, he, Greg Wilson, you know, he got the set, he's, but he's not, he's up there in age. Give Kyle Pitts is exactly what Bridgewater is, you know, wants a little target in the middle to, to get to the, uh, to get and, and he'll get some scores also as well with the Carolina. I, I think I like this pick too. Yeah, and Kyle Pitts, if you lo- if you trust Bridgewater, you think he deserves another year, you can get a tight end. I've seen some quarterbacks mock to Carolina, but I feel like they are they could go a number of different routes. They could go Kyle Pitts, they could go receiver. They don't really need a receiver. They've got Roby Anderson and DJ Moore. But you could go Kyle Pitts. You could go um, linebacker if because uh, there's lots of linebackers in this draft. Um, Nick Bolton, Zayvon Collins, Mick, as well as Micah Parsons. You could go cornerback Caleb Farrell, Caleb Farley, or Patrick Sertain the second to pair with Dante Jackson. There's a lot of different routes the Panthers could explore at eight. But yeah, that's a good pick for them. Um, Denver's up at nine. They're still gonna have the worst quarterback situation in the division, even if they take a guy at nine. I don't think I don't think they get a quarterback here. Drew Luck is too young. Still, really, a little development. Still, I got some pieces to him to say. But I say we get a blocker for him. Let's pick up the next best offensive tackle available from Northwestern, Rashawn Slater, and he will be that little guy that stays in front of Drew Luck. Hopefully, they can stay together for the next five years to ten. But this guy is going to be in the league for the next fifteen. 
very good in a perfect Broncos. Maybe they would trade up to, to get a quarterback, but I doubt that's going to happen. Rashawn, Rashawn Slater is an athlete, excellent tackle, and he's a nice pick here. They got Garrett Bowles at left tackle, so they could put Slater at right tackle or center. Slater has the arm length of a guard, and he's lined up at left tackle his entire career at Northwestern. So I, they, they could either put him at center or right tackle, but he'd be an immediate starter on that offensive line. Yeah, I, 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 we'll see. Now I'm going to go back and get some defensive players because we had a few offensive players uh, pretty much except for the – actually most of the my picks except for Parsons was an, uh, a defense. So I'm going to go back and put – Okay, next, so next. Sean Slater started 26 consecutive games at right tackle before moving to left tackle in 2019. So Slater could play right tackle on Denver. That's actually a great pick. Now – Everybody thinks that the Dallas is going to get some more offense at this number 10. Dallas wasn't bad again in the past. I mean, we know what's going to happen. Maybe a quarterback, running back. They got all – everything's going to be clicking, I, I believe, next year on offense. A linebacker to replace Sean Lee, or they could get a cornerback, one of the two – Yeah, I, I, I'm going to pick a cornerback here. Caleb Farley from Virginia Tech. He has speed, strength, excellent football IQ. I like him taking that lead here. Probably it will be a difference maker in the secondary for the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, his worst game in his career was against Notre Dame, but he had 20 good plays in that game and five bad plays. I remember watching every snap of that game film against um, Notre Dame for Virginia Tech in 2019 on YouTube because I read out Simpson's scouting report on him at the beginning of the year. And Farley had 20 good plays to five bad plays. So if that's his worst game of the year, that makes me very confident in his ability to succeed at the next level. Dallas could have a special corner on their hands. Um, Awuzier and Jordan Lewis are both going to be free agents. So with Farley and Diggs, you're going to have a great one-two cornerback tandem in Dallas for years to come. Now we got the New York Giants. The Dallas is uh, rival. And I was thinking about this pick. Um, you know, that you might ask, uh, you know, hey, what are they going to get? What type of things? What will make them elite? Well, I'm looking at the defense. I'm going to get a defensive player that's not, not going ha to have so much upside. It's going to be in the team for such a long time. I'm going to take defensive tackle out of Michigan, Kitty Payne. Quitty Pay for Michigan, that's a good pick. I mean, he's a 43 defensive end. The Giants do run a 34, but Quitty Pay is a player that might be able to help this team out, especially if they lose Leonard Williams to free agency. I'm not sure where they're going to end, where, they're, where they'd end up putting him in their 34 defense, defensive end or outside linebacker, but he could definitely help that pass rush out. Yeah, it, this is where I have a difficulty in number 12. Because I am not 100% sold on Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo's health. And is he going to be a franchise quarterback? Um, well, 49ers <laughs> save $24 million in cap space if they release Garoppolo. But I don't think they're going to. I mean, Kyle Shanahan, the team's already came out and said he's our guy for next season. So, well, if I, that's the case, who would you pick here? Who do the 49ers need to, to, to change this because they can't they can't uh, compete in that division and not be a, a six? Well, they get Patrick Sertain the second to pair with Richard Sherman, the Alabama corner, if you want to win now, or you could get Zach Wilson of BYU, who the 49ers have scouted heavily. Yeah, well, that's the thing is if I went with a quarterback, I'd get Zach Wilson. Zach if I went for the quarterback, because he just said, it, it, yeah, it's very tempting here. Numerous teams are trying to shoot it, uh, him if he's, but uh, like you said, so either you're right, Patrick or Sir Tom, but I'm going to, I'm going to go right here uh, because in my mind, I had Zach Wilson, but uh, you kind of threw me off a little bit, but that's fine. We'll just go with Zach Wilson here um, because they've been scouting him a little bit. 
BYU uh, quarterback. And Steve Young went to BYU too, and he was a 49er great. Now we go to the Los Angeles Chargers. There's supposed to be a re- full rebuilding year. You're going to have a new coach. You got to have something for Justin Herbert. It's not going to be a wide receiver, folks. It's going to be a lineman. They're going to get the best guard protecting Justin Herbert for many years to come. Wyatt Davis out of Ohio State, another great guy that you're going to see in the championship game blocking for Justin Fields. Yeah, but the Chargers have two good – they got Forrest – well, it depends on what they do with Forrest Lamp. If they don't bring back Forrest Lamp, they're going to – Well, they really, they really need a tackle more than a guard, but he can there's shift. One available, there's two available. There's, a, there's two good tackles available. Let me help you out here. There's Leatherwood out of Alabama, who Damone Talbot of NFL Draft Diamonds has as his number one offensive tackle for the draft. And the other offensive tackle that I really like at this spot is Christian Daramore. Christian Darasaw of Virginia Tech. They're yeah. both off. But I, I just feel that um, the talent here, it, it, I just feel his talent is a really high level for a guard. That's why I'm taking a guard this early. Wyatt Davis gave up that sack against Penn State, but he didn't give up a single sack in 2019. His tape is really consistent. So, But they have Traw Turner at right guard, so that's why I'm a little bit hesitant about putting Wyatt Davis on the Chargers. I don't think he's the best fit there. Mm -hmm. But if you want to mock him there, that's your decision. (laughs) Anyway, uh, let's have fun now. Number 14, Minnesota Vikings take Patrick Sertan II. Goodness, I've been waiting for this pick. I'm clapping because that means the Patriots get Trey Lance at 15. That's that's why I'm clapping. The Patriots no, they don't, sir. I have a very bad pre- retrospect in number 15 for you. You're going to hate me, but I love it. But anyway, Vikings need help on defense. That's why this guy is a playmaker, going to make a huge impact, and this is exactly what they want. Talent and start fixing those issues in the secondary. They just took Gladney in the first round. They got Mike Hughes in the first round two years ago. And they got um, Cameron Dantzler. But Dantzler's not a fast corner. His coverage is suspect. I just – I don't know if they would take a third corner in the first round. But that's what they did when they had um, Xavier Rhodes, um, Traw Waynes, and then they got Mike Hughes a few years later. So this is a team, the Vikings, they do have a history of reloading at corner. So they might actually take the guy you suggested because Sertain's the best player on the board at that point. Then we move to your Patriots. Um, let's let's put this in your shock because uh, Cam Newton is not going to be the quarterback. Trey Lance is the slam dunk pick here. He's got... I think he's got higher upside than Zach Wilson, but he's a little bit raw. But he's definitely someone that the Patriots have to consider here because there's only four good quarterbacks in this draft and one fell to us at 15. I don't see what there would be. What else yeah, I mean, Trey Lance will probably be the pick here. The other quarterback who possibly – I could see uh, Bill Belichick falling in love with Mac Jones. He underthrew five passes in the SEC championship. I, I kept track of tape, but he does make some big plays. I'm not going to deny his talent because there were in the Tennessee game and in the Georgia game, there were plays where Leatherwood was not giving Mac Jones as much time as he could have at left tackle. Mac Jones threw a deep ball, and J- Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddell, they, they stretched the field. They made the big play, and those receivers really made Mac Jones look better than he is. So that's why I would take Trey Lance here. But I could see Belichick falling in love with Mac Jones, too. You're, uh, anyway, uh, let's uh, see what we got for number 16. Arizona Cardinals also need help on the line um, to protect Kyle Murray and, and beef up that running game as well. Similar to the Chargers on the front, um, this this scenario, if, if 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 Wyatt Davis is still available, they'll take him. But they do need a guard here, 
I know a tackle is not their their thing. So um, I'm going to jump on it here. Maybe it's a little bit early for him, but I like Elijah Vera Tucker out of SC. Yeah, Vera Tucker was a left guard. He made the move to left tackle this year. But the Cardinals really need a right guard. They have Justin Pugh at left guard. They need a right guard to replace Justin Murray. He was the wink link of that offensive line this year. And that's definitely a position they could address. Trey Smith out of Tennessee, Deontay Brown of Alabama would both be, I think, better scheme fits. But I can't really fault that pick. That's a good pick. That's a definitely a position of need for Arizona with Elijah Barrett Tucker. And then I have my uh, these Las Vegas imbecile Raiders. <laughs> well, a lot of people have them taking a linebacker. I mean, I have them. I really drawing them to take a linebacker here. I really do think they need to beef up, their, but they haven't taken a linebacker, folks. They have not taken a linebacker, and for some reason. In the first round. They could get a safety here, um, but I think they get a safety in the next uh, round. It's not unless they, they see somebody they really like. But I don't see any safeties really in the first middle of the first round being thick. They can go and get a defensive tackle as well, but the defensive tackle, I mean, you could go and get Barrymore here, but I think it's a little bit early unless they move back. Um so yeah. if they just really want somebody, I mean, Colin Farrell would be a good third down man to come in between. And, but right now you got, they don't really have a good boom matchup player that, that can go straight on with Crosby. And that's what they need on the opposite side. They need something. I feel like you're going to mock Gregory Rosso of Miami. That is correct, sir. Gregory Rosso, pass rusher out of Miami, team up with he will the the speed. Oh my gosh, John Gruden's going to love this kid. He ranks a solid addition to the team. You have two sack artists then on the team, you could tweak Key and, and Farrell with both of them. They will make them bo- both better players. That's what they need, um, first of all. Then in the second round, you go get a safety or, or a linebacker um, unless you make a trade and go back. But if they're staying at 17, this is their pick. Well, Arden did well against Austin Jackson, the Dolphins' left tackle, despite the fact that Clellan Farrell was out for that game. That's why I respectfully disagree with you, but if you think Farrell can be a Miles Garrett-type player down the road if you develop him, because he's got the speed that you want and the consistent sacking, if you think he can reach that upside and be a Miles Garrett-caliber player down the road, he's not going to be that right out of the gate. But if you think he can develop into that two, three years from now, then obviously you got to take it at 17. Even with the guy having plays. That's what I'm saying. Anyway, then you have the Miami Dolphins again. Now, remember, the Miami Dolphins, my first pick, the Miami Dolphins, was a wide receiver. I want to get some more, not necessarily weapons, but how about put some protection now for – Put some protection. Now, I was thinking, okay, uh, you got to believe in Tua. He's going to be the long-time quarterback uh, for the Dolphins. They they could easily take Darshan or Mayfield here. But I stay, you know, look at the guards that they – I mean, look at the tackles they already got. That's not their deficiency. The deficiency is a guard. They need more talent than a guard. They're going to take Trey Smith here from Tennessee. Well, they got so they got Calamete at right guard from uh, Georgia. He was a left guard at Georgia last year. They moved Robert Hunt, one of the guards they drafted, to right tackle, and they got Austin Jackson at left tackle. They got a Rec Flowers at left guard. So if they cut a Rec Flowers, they move Kid, Kid Calum Skidley over to left guard. They can put Trey Smith in at right guard, and they'll have a better guard situation. Or they could get a running back here too, but. 
Either one of those picks would be fantastic. Well, they have a running back. They have Miles Gaskin. Don't forget. They're not and they got Salvin Ahmad, too. Two Washington Husky running backs. Yeah. And um, their fourth uh, – yeah. I just don't think the running back is going to be in that situation. Um, now, they could get – I mean, this is their tackles. I mean, you go with tackles. They got Jesse Davis. They got Robert Hunt. They got Austin Jackson. I, I just the tackle, to me, is not their issue. They have nobody that could back up Eric Flowers at left guard. Yeah. And Flowers is okay, but he's also a guy that can be replaced. And I think the Dolphins could consider that area as well, even though Austin Jackson did have a rough game against Arden Key. So good mock, Oren. I'm glad the Patriots got a quarterback. <laughs> I don't know to happen in real life. I honestly don't because I could see these quarterbacks. If the Jets take Fields at two, I could see Atlanta taking Lance or uh, Zach Wilson at four. I could see Carolina going QB. I could. There's a number of teams that I could see going QB in the first round. That's why it's so complicated. It's so tricky. Yeah, I mean, I want... I want to throw in one guy. I want to throw into your top eighteen really quickly is Zayvon Collins out of Tulsa. This is a guy who won the Chuck Bednarik Award. I saw his game film a few weeks ago, and he is going to go in the top 20. I, I know um, the person that picks for the Jaguars in our group mock wants to take him at number one overall, and while that won't happen in real life, he is that good. Like he's he's a. I think he's going to end up rising into the top 10 with a strong combine. I really – I do like – a lot. I think if Atlanta goes, if Philly goes with Micah Parsons at six, I could see Dallas taking Collins out of Tulsa at ten. And I'm going to give you my surprise uh, in the next in the back ones. Brady ain't going to be around Tampa too long, so they're going to try to get a quarterback. And the best quarterback that we didn't mention, we did not mention, uh, or we kind of mentioned, is Mac Jones is going to go to Tampa Bay and look work, work right under. Tom Brady and company. How do you like that? That's a good pick for them. And uh, then the Jets could get a Kyle Trask with the second uh, first round pick because there were reports that the Jets preferred Trask over Justin Fields. So all six quarterbacks would go in the first round of this draft. Even though I think uh, Mac Jones and Trask are guys that I'd project as backups, the demand for quarterback this year is simply through the roof. There's there are rumors of as many as 15 teams being in the market for quarterbacks, depending on what could happen this offseason. And there's rumors Breeze is going to retire, too. So, yeah. Well, that's it for an amazing show. Enjoy the championship game on Monday and enjoy the NFL wildcard round on Saturday and Sunday. And we're out of here. Please listen to our show in the morning when you wake up. <laughs> and I'll be doing a podcast in the morning. I'll also be revealing my Super Bowl picks. I We're collaborating. Joey and I are collaborating with um, – let me get the name of the host really quickly um, on my timeline here. Um, sports Status. Sports Status, it's a show on Anchor. Joey and I are collaborating with Sports Status. We're going to be – co-hosting a show together their podcast is at 10 a.m my saturday morning podcast with joey on talk show also at 10 a.m so joey and i are going to be collaborating with sports status we'll break down the playoff games get their insights and i'll reveal my super bowl winner for super bowl 55 tomorrow morning on uh sports status with uh with nathan and with joey and i want to thank Oren for uh Coming on, I think it's going to be Chiefs Saints, but I I want to double check my information and go through the games tomorrow before I lock that.